Welcome to Life Church of Mobile's audio podcast. We hope that this teaching will challenge you in any season of life you may be in. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. The topic tonight we're just going to call it's kind of a general topic, just called gen- generous giving. Generous giving. And there's a few things that I'm going to share here tonight that um, pretty much going to recap what we've covered over the previous weeks. Pastor Scotty and and both uh, Robbie and Pastor Scotty have done a great job of of sharing information with us and giving us a lot of good practical advice as well as scriptural teaching. We're going to recap a few of those things and then I'm going to jump into a few others that... um, I guess pretty much the Lord laid on my heart to share with us here tonight. So, generous giving. I'm going to start off with Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 25 as a key scripture here. And it reads, the generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also be watered himself. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered Himself. It's interesting here, the, the King James or the old uh, translation of the Bible refers to generous as the liberal soul. The liberal soul will be made rich. Liberal or generous soul in the New King James is an interesting word. The word is derived or the root of the word in Hebrew is the word barak, which simply means to bless. To bless. So the soul... Our generous soul is a soul that is geared towards being a blessing, not limited to others, even to themselves. That soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. I think this is very interesting because the way it reads in the New King James and the King James is a little... If you just look at it at the surface, he who waters will also be watered himself. It's really good because it's basically saying that, you know, as you sow, it's going to come back into your life. That's our understanding, right? It's a little bit deeper than that. It's a little bit deeper than that. What it's literally saying. Actually, let me just read Young's literal translation says a liberal soul will be made fat and whoso is watering, he also is watered. Whoso is watering, he also is watered. So here's what the, if you break down each word in the Hebrew, here's what it's literally trying to say. He who waters will also be watered himself, or the word waters and waters himself, two different words. He who waters literally means he who fills himself, takes it in, saturates himself. He will be watered or he will be poured out. So a willingness to receive it, a willingness to be watered, a willingness to invest in yourself, God in turn will allow you to be poured out in other people's lives. He who waters is also watered. The point is, is that if God intends to pour you out, he intends to pour into you. You can't give what you don't have. So the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters or takes water or receives, saturates himself, he's going to be poured out. So keep drinking and get ready to get poured out. 
Let me just read this as we jump into this. Speaker and author John C. Maxwell asserts there are five non-negotiable characteristics that every effective leader must have. Here's what he says. They must have a sense of calling. They must have an ability to communicate, creativity and problem solving, generosity, and consistency. So I wrote, notice that one of the five pillars mentioned by arguably one of the leading teachers on leadership in our generation is generosity. He lists that. Or having a giving spirit. What is not mentioned is the fact that leadership is not limited to heads of corporations, heads of nations, heads of organizations, or even heads of churches. Leadership and Maxwell's aforementioned non-negotiable characteristics affect all of us. So all of us come underneath that umbrella. When it relates to managing me or you, ourself, managing our family, and managing our finances, simply put, we all... We all need a measure of purpose, influence, flexibility, giving, and perseverance to win or to lead. We all need it. We need it. So it's not just up to those who are the figureheads of an organization or of the nation that we leave it up to them and just blame them when things don't work for our lives. But it's up to us to be leaders of ourselves, our lives, our families, and of our finances. And I think God designed it that way so that even though the political system or the economy is crashing and burning, you can be soaring and flying. But we got to implement some of these things. Here's last week, Pastor Scotty said this. He listed generosity as, or he listed generosity as a loving giver. As one of the six attitudes that needs to be a part of our hearts and minds in order for us to overcome the spirit of mammon resulting in eternal rewards, not just earthly rewards. So I wanted to do this. I wanted to list what does the Bible or what does the world's definition, Webster's Dictionary, how does it define generosity? And this is an online edition, the 1828 edition, which takes much of what it got out of the Bible. Here's what it says. Generosity is the quality of being generous, liberality in principle, a disposition to give liberally or to bestow favors, a quality of the heart or mind opposed to meanness or parsimony, which is basically being stingy. It's interesting to me because for years I thought and Let me talk about me for a minute. I thought that generosity meant giving a whole lot, big amounts. I thought that, man, that guy's really generous. He gave a whole lot. But really, in its purest definition, generosity is, like Pastor Scotty says, is a loving giver. Has nothing to do with the quantity of what you give as much as your willingness to distribute and give. So generosity, even by Bible definition, remember the widow's might? 
And Jesus says she gave more than the wealthy people. She had a willing heart because she gave out of her need. She was very generous. Didn't have nothing to do with the amount she gave in terms of the quantity of it. But it was the fact that she was willing to give and gave out of need. She was generous. Generosity will put you places sometimes where you question yourself. Mm. You sometimes will wrestle with the guy inside who says, give it, give it. And you're like, mm. right? A generous giver. It's not strange for a generous giver to wrestle with his giving. I heard somebody said that their wife is such a generous giver that if he's not careful, she'll give him away. Because she's so generous. And sometimes when Debbie and I, you know, even in this church, and one of us gets, uh, you know, a word from the Lord, and she'll lean over. I'm hearing God say to do this. And it always happens that what I hear is less than what she hears. I'm telling on myself, how much time left? (laughs) And guess what we do? We do what she says. So anyway... Uh, Looking at Jesus, generosity as a quality of his heart and of his mind was and is expressed not only through Jesus' treasure, but also through his time and his talents. And we won't talk so much about his time and his talents because we know that. In fact, if he didn't give and was generous with his time and his talents, we wouldn't be here today. But he also was generous with his treasure. And this is where a lot of the church has struggled for years. But we'll look at one instance here. In John chapter 13, verse number 29, Jesus is at the Passover supper with his disciples hours before he's hung on the cross. And Jesus, he sees Judas after he says, one of you guys is going to betray me. John said to him, who is it? He tells John and shortly he goes to Judas and he says, whatever or what you're about to do, do it. And the disciples didn't know what Jesus meant. So what did they assume? Look at verse number 29. It says, for some thought, the disciples thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. They assumed, they didn't know what Jesus was talking about when he told Judas, what do you got to do? Do it quickly. They just assumed that it was either something to buy for the Passover feast or give to the poor. Which implies to us that Jesus had a habit of telling Judas, instructing him what to do with the money, but also he had a habit of giving to the poor out of the treasure that he oversaw. And there's a great example, there's a great lesson in this is that Jesus can tell you what to do with the money. He can. Sometimes he'll interrupt you and say, here's what I need you to do. Like the example I told you, me and Debbie, right? He can interrupt you and say, hey, here's what I need you to do for this. I know you're believing for X. Here's what I need you to do with Y. He will do it. If it's flexible, if we're open to him to doing that. Since we're talking about Judas here, let me just 
run through real quick some of the obstacles to generosity. And we covered these in the previous week. Pastor Scotty and Robbie did a wonderful job with these. Let's just recap a little bit. Obstacles to generosity can be listed as greed and self-preservation. Pastor Scotty talked about the rich man in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. He was selfish. He was wealthy. His barns were full, and he said, man, what am I going to do? I got so much more to harvest, so he said, I'm going to tear down my barns, build bigger barns, and then I can just kick back for the rest of my life. I think about nobody else but me. Verse 15 of that same scripture, verse 15, Luke chapter 12, it says, Jesus warns, beware and guard against every kind of greed. Greed and self-preservation, just thinking about me, can hinder generosity. The belief of a lack or fixed income and opportunity. I just don't believe that I can do it because I don't have enough. My income is fixed. What I'm trying to address here is the belief. A lack of generosity can be simply based on belief wrong. Nowhere in scripture does it say, remember the widow's mind, nowhere does it say that what you have can't, God can't use it to bless you and others. In fact, he said, I can use it with the little that you have to do much more than what you can do with it. So a belief, wrong belief, then will produce wrong actions. And we saw that in 1 Kings chapter 17 where Elijah came down to the widow, widow of Zarephath. And he said, can you give me something to drink? God sent him to her, give me something to drink. She casually went to get something to drink as, as she was on the way. He said to her, hey, by the way, bring me some bread too. And that's when she hit him hard and she said, uh, as, as sure as your God lives... I don't have any bread. All I have is a little flour and a little bit of oil. And I'm going to get these few sticks here, rub them together, create a fire, make bread, and me and my son are going to die. So she believed that her resources were so limited that God could not provide and she couldn't afford to be generous with it. But he said, don't fear. Do what you said you're going to do. But bring me a cake first and God will bless you and do you know she ate out of that same meal and oil for over three years three plus years and here's a woman who believed we sure gonna die another one is worried about the financial future and retirement worry will choke generosity it will choke a generous heart. And see, the enemy loves that. He wants you to worry. He wants me to worry and think that, man, what's going to happen in my future if I give this? There's no way I can retire. There's no way we can do X, Y, Z. But Jesus dealt with worry in Matthew chapter 6, did he not? He simply said, don't worry about what you're going to eat, about what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear. Your heavenly father knows you have need of all these things. Seek first. Right? What he was driving home to us is don't choke the flow with worry. Believe and seek me, and I will make a way. 
I will make a way. They covered that so marvelously well. The rich young ruler is another example as well. He worried when Jesus said, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come and follow me. He bowed his head and walked away discouraged. Why? Because he thought about, if I don't have what I know I got, how in the world am I going to live tomorrow? He couldn't see Jesus was everything he needed and more. Robbie dealt with three, or he dealt with some practical examples. Practical examples. And I'm going to just highlight a few of them and just uh, trim them down to three basic principles. Why people don't do as well or why they're not as generous as they could be. Three reasons. A failure to plan, underinformed, and misinformed. The first one is a failure to plan. Here's what the Bible says in Isaiah 32 and verse number 8. But a generous man devises generous things. And by generosity he shall stand. A generous soul plans to be generous. Interesting about the way God made us. You can get away with some of it some of the time, but you're going to be true to who you are. So I never try to lock up Debbie's generosity, even though it makes me cringe sometimes, because a generous person plans to be generous. That's who she is. I married it. (laughs) Married her. Correction. But I married the spirit of generosity. And you can't, you can't, you can try and bend it, break it, (laughs) but it is what it is. An example of this, two examples, the wedding. Anybody here ever been to a wedding? Anybody here married? Okay, good. (laughs) So the events of the wedding, how long do they generally take? From the morning you get up, probably what? Getting ready, dress, they getting dressed. Would you agree that maybe it's about six, eight, maybe 12 hours the most, the events? How long does it take to plan the wedding? Six months to a year maybe, right? Generous people plan to be generous. So the event lasts that long, but the planning is retirement. The average American will spend less than two weeks planning their retirement. How long does retirement last? Maybe 20, 30, 40 years people are living longer now. But we spend less time planning it for something that lasts so long. My point is this. A failure to plan can steal a generous heart's ability to give. Because then when they are, there's no plan to be generous. You can plan. We can all plan to be generous. Think about it. Think about ways that I can be a blessing, ways that I can be generous. Have fun with it. Whoa, wouldn't you like to do this? Wow, I'd love to do this. Stir up your heart. You may not be able to do it now, but the imagination is a powerful thing. Just let it run wild. Woo, and we'd be able to do this. We'd come up to the White House and say, you need to come to my house. You know, whatever. Dream. (laughs) Underinformed. God says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. Hosea 4 verse 6. 
We don't know the rules of money. You can't play basketball with football rules and win. You just won't win. You'll knock a lot of people over, but you won't win. If you don't know the rules to the game, your chances of winning at the game are lower. So dealing with finances, and Robbie dealt with it very well, if we don't know the rules of finances, we'll be doing other things that will harm us financially. So it's on us then to learn the rules about money. Do we know the tax code? Well, what do I need to know the tax code, Brother Andrew? Have you ever gotten a paycheck? Yeah. What was the first thing you noticed? They ripped me off. Right? Because you saw where all my money went. And then you bring it to the boss and he says, oh, that's your taxes. My what? (laughs) My taxes. That happened to me, by the way. First paycheck. I walked in there. Protection. Do we know until you reach your goals and your dreams financially that you should have a safety net there? And to the church, this has been one of them things. Jesus is my safety net. Yes, he is. But you live in this world. And he said, occupy till I come. So there's some wisdom there that we've got to use to protect our family. Because if you are the breadwinner in your family and you leave prematurely and you have a family with kids and they need, you at least want them to live the same quality of life they had with you. So you're really protecting your income, your ability to produce. Life insurance, insure your house, insure the car, protection. Uh, Robbie dealt with these things. Investing, the rule of 72, dollar cost averaging. How do I diversify my money? If we're not using these rules, they're being used against us. Because every financial institution knows them, and when you go in that door and they realize you don't, they will use it against you. They won't educate you. They'll use it against you. Eliminating debt. Robbie dealt with that greatly. And then budgeting is another one. So there's some rules, some things that we've got to get informed about in order to practice rules about certain things. Misinformed. Love this. Misinformed. Wisdom is the principal thing. Proverbs says, verse 4, verse 7. Therefore what? Get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get wisdom. Get an understanding. Misinformed is the big one. You know what misinformed is? Misinformed is simply, man, I don't know what to do. Let me go to Uncle Joe. And you go to Uncle Joe, what should I do about X? Should I get this truck? Yeah, get it. Never ask you, can you afford it? Never looks at your checkbook. Never know if you can even write a check, balance your checkbook. Misinformed is simply getting bad advice from the wrong source. And in other words, we don't know where to go to get the right advice that we need. And the advice that we get leads us down the wrong trail. And we got to circle back around like the children of Israel going around the mountain for 40 years when we should have been through there in 40 days. And a lot of times it's based on just simply being misinformed. So I say this, check the source. If uncle so-and-so is not where you want to be, don't ask Uncle so-and-so. I love you, 
Or if he gives you advice, take it. Thank you, Uncle So-and-so. I appreciate that. And move on. <laughs> Don't be rude. Don't just check the sword. Now, this is, I'm telling you, this will help us. It'll help us. It really will. I got to say this, though. What destroys genero- what destroys obstacles to generosity, number one, I believe this, is encountering Jesus Christ. Having an encounter and opening up the heart of your financial door to him and allowing him to play his music on your heart of finances and he'll make music with your money. He will. He will. Encountering Jesus Christ. Two short examples and then we're just going to close it up and, and, and head into our small groups. Do you remember in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 when Paul was bragging on the church of Macedonia and they were so impoverished and Paul didn't want them to give to the necessities of the saints in Jerusalem, but they begged Paul, please let us give, please let us give. And he was like, well, guys, I mean, you really don't have, please let us give. What happened? Before they had the opportunity to give, Paul preached to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they had such a powerful encounter with Christ through the preached word that their hearts just opened wide and they wanted to just do whatever they can. First, they gave themselves to him and then they just wanted to give what they had to be a blessing. Generosity has a source. For God so loved a dying world that he gave his living son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Second example is the big tax collector, chief tax collector Zacchaeus. You know the story. Luke chapter 19, verse number 8. Here's what Zacchaeus says. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus Christ that changed his heart and his mind. Number one, a heart of repentance, that's changing your mind. And then also a heart of generosity. The taker became a giver. Touch your neighbor and say, there's hope. There's hope for you, man. There's hope. No, don't do it. (laughs) The taker became a giver. How? You understand that this guy was a professional taker? And he was an extortioner. He took more than what he was supposed to take. But when Jesus poured on him his goodness... The goodness of God led to Zacchaeus' change of mind, his repentance. And Zacchaeus' heart became so wide open that he said, I'm just going to give half of everything I got. Jesus never asked him to do it. And he said, those who I have extorted goods from, I'm giving four times what I took. Jesus never asked him to do it, but the goodness of God will lead us to a changed mind. So all I'm saying is, allow the life of Jesus to get into our heart, into our finances. Invite him. When you're doing that budget, 
Say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. You help me with this. Holy Spirit, just direct us. Right? Lord, how much should I give? No, involve him in what we do, and he will involve you in what he does. I mean, I love it. I love it. We close by saying this. Love as you are loved by the Lord Jesus. Just love the way that he loved you. Did he love us stingily? He loved us generously. And so he's just saying, live your life the way that you received life. Does it take faith to do that, Brother Andrew? Absolutely. But God said, freely you have received, freely give. So a generous soul is not a soul that gives hundreds of millions of dollars because they have it. A generous soul is simply a soul that loves to give. Wherever they are, whatever their station is in life, they enjoy giving. And can I tell you this? You can grow in your giving. You can grow in your giving. And he that is giving is he that is being given to. So when we stop the generosity, we stop the supply. We stop the watering. We stop the flow. I don't want that for me and I don't want that for anyone in here. I want us all to be flowing in generosity because we understand and we comprehend that the more God gives me is the more God gets through me. And the more God gets through me is the more God gives me. And the more God gets through me is the more God gives me. Thanks again for listening to Life Church of Mobile's podcast. If you would like to find out more about our church, you can visit us at lifechurchmobile.com.